everybody. Welcome into the latest edition of the Pokescast, production of the Casper Star Tribune and Pokes Authority. I am Davis Potter, Wyoming beat writer for the Star Tribune, and I am joined by former Wyoming beatnik and my sidekick, Brandon Foster. Uh, Brandon, are you uh, you staying warm up there in Casper? Yeah, it's uh, practically tropical up here, it sounds like, <laughs> compared to the rest of the U.S. right now. Uh, yeah, I don't think it, it sounded like it wasn't actually quite as bad uh down in Laredice as it as it had been up here i don't know we had like five straight days of you know peaking at negative two yeah well you know it's been like negative eight negative ten down here so ah, you okay. know at, at a certain point it just <laughs> it, it just gets so cold that it doesn't really matter you just you just, you just become numb at yeah. a certain point you know so it, i think that's sort of what we're dealing with down here but yeah i mean it's i I guess we're we're in a much better situation uh can't complain that much when compared to what what texas is is dealing with right now with some of the power outages that i'm reading about yeah at least the the power's on yeah and i mean i think at a certain point i just stopped going outside so it doesn't make (laughs) that big of a difference what what temperature it is one way or the other except when i'm letting the dog out so yeah well, our technology is working good enough for us right now. We're actually able to record this, so uh, I think go. we're Not better off than yeah, better off than a lot of other people. But uh, Brandon, let's just go ahead and dive into this, and we'll uh, we'll start with some basketball because uh, while I know the the Boise State Utah State series that's being played this week is getting most of the attention in the Mountain West, and rightfully so, considering the the postseason implications for those two teams. Um, there's a pretty good or wild or crazy or at least entertaining whatever adjective you want to use uh game on wednesday night down in colorado springs between Wyoming and new mexico um the cowboys in their four game losing streak by beating the lobos 83 74 in overtime in the first game of that series and Wyoming did it without having its head coach for the last 26 minutes of that game after Jeff Lender got ejected uh, late in the first half. Um, and nobody really knows why or really, I guess, what he what he said or did to uh, get, get the hook that fast. But, uh, yeah, entertaining game uh, regardless of how you look at it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm sure they were – both itching to get back out there, but you know, good, good, good on them being able to pull a win out um, against a, you know, a team at least uh, uh, on the standings that looks like a team you should beat. You know, um, you, I'm guessing New Mexico is a bit of a wild card with everything going on this year, but, um, but yeah, it, it sounded like, uh, you know, I, I, I guess not having covered Linder, were, were you surprised to see that, or, or what's his demeanor? you know, typically like on the sidelines. Well, he's, that, that was, those were his third and fourth technicals of the season. <laughs> so, um, okay. yeah, he, he's a pretty animated guy on the sideline. Um, so I, I mean, it, it's not a shock that he, that he picked up a technical. I think the, the bigger surprise was the fact that they came, you know, consecutively in that moment. And then before you knew it, he was gone. And, uh, you know, I, I know that, uh, Wyoming's, they didn't get to the, the arena there in Colorado Springs, um, you know, until like 20, 25 minutes before tip because of some of the, some of the weather that, that they're dealing with down there in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So, um, and according to Wyoming's radio crew during the broadcast last night, um, you know, Linder asked, wanted the officials to give them a little more time to warm up and apparently they weren't granted that. 
So apparently he was already sort of miffed going into that game because of that. Right. Uh, and then whatever was said or whatever he did late in the first half sort of, you know, was the uh, – everything sort of came to a head at that moment, I guess. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I asked – Ken DeWeese, who's one of their assistants, and, and filled in as the acting head coach last night because he filled in for Lender on, on, on talking to us uh, post game, and uh, you know I asked him, you know, if, if he got any explanation from the from the refs uh, as to what Lender specifically did or said to to get those back to back tees and, and get tossed, and he said that they never got an explanation, so. You know, I, I I don't know if they heard what he said, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I it's it's like you know, other outside of the referee and 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 Jeff, I, I don't know if anybody really knows what what was said or what he did, but apparently it was enough to uh, get him a, an early exit and an early shower. But it's easy to look at New Mexico's record and particularly everything they've had to deal with this year and and say, man, you you, you struggled to beat you know that bad of a team you know you had to go to overtime to to beat them but considering the you know Wyoming as at least lately in conference play it hasn't been that great for them either you know again came in losing four straight games um you know everybody's sort of dealing with this weather situation you're you know having to go to a a a, you're the I guess technically the road team you know uh playing on a neutral floor um and every just the way the season that this season has gone amid, amid the pandemic you know, I think it would have been really easy for Wyoming, particularly when they, you know, you lose your coach. You know, New Mexico opens the second half on a, on a twenty to nine run and and takes a seven point lead, which matched their largest lead of, of the entire game. Um, you know, I think it would have been easy for even Wyoming to just be like, you know, just sort of throw in the towel. But um, you know, they end up rallying from a couple of different seven point deficits, have six players scoring double figures. Um, it's the most they've had in, in a game all season and to at least force overtime and then to dominate the overtime period, uh, just with everything going on. I still think that's a, that's a pretty good win for, for Wyoming, the, the way they pulled it out. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I, as a big of a step forward as it seems that they've taken this year, um, I, I still don't think the program's at a place where you take any conference win for granted, you know, no matter what the the record of the team opposite you is or or whatever hurdles they've had this season so you know you uh you've got to actually go out and win them even if it is a team that's one and 12 right now in in conference play and um you know those those i know they you know didn't uh pull out the regulation win you know with the last possession but those kind of end of game scenarios are always super valuable uh experience for a young team so you know, to to play in a weird environment like that, uh, you know, in a kind of neutral site, but on the road to have, you know, the challenge of getting in late and then having your coach uh, not on your sideline. That's, that's, uh, you know, a, you know, like you said, good that they could survive that, but B that's, that's good uh, maturity for them going forward, you know, for a pretty young team. So, I mean, with them being on the air force Academy, is it possible that like lenders, you know, his shirt wasn't tucked in all the way, or like, did he have some some facial hair you're not allowed to have? I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if, if that was the issue, I guess he probably wouldn't even been allowed in the arena. You know, <laughs> uh, but um, side note to that too, um, I'm checking with Wyoming just to confirm this, but I don't, I don't believe there's any further 
punishment in terms of game time that that Jeff will have to miss. Uh, I, you know, I don't think that extends mm-hmm. past one game. So I'm I'm pretty sure he's going to be back on the sideline coaching um, in the series finale on Friday. Uh, but it was is interesting, you know, in this game, you know, Wyoming hit 13 threes, um, which obviously helped, and they, and they can shoot. That's 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 sort of what they do. But I think the biggest difference in this game and, and what allowed them to, to pull it out was was the fact that they held their own on the glass. Um, I mean, they still finished. Mm-hmm. They still lost the rebounding battle. Technically, they finished minus four, but they for them to. You know, hold their own against a New Mexico team that came in to this game as the top offensive rebounding team in the conference. Um, you know that I think that that says a lot to um, sort of the effort uh, and and sort of the the want to that that Wyoming had there in the second half to not let that thing get away from them. You know, when they were trailing by seven and and were on the verge of of, of New Mexico was sort of pulling away and put and putting that thing away, but. Um, you know, while we pulled down a, a season high 13 offensive rebounds, um, and, and led to 12 second chance points. So, you know, gave themselves all sorts of second and, and third opportunities to score and really took advantage of those and, and, and a big night for, for Hunter Thompson, who's, who's really been struggling, um, has been an extended shooting slump for really the, the entirety of the conference season. I mean, he had in their Conference opening win at Fresno State back in early January. You know he went off for for twenty two points and he hit hit seven three pointers. And since that time, he had not scored more than six points in a game. And um, came back and, and finished five of eight from the floor, um, knocked down four threes, had fourteen points, and even pulled down five rebounds. Which for anybody that's followed Wyoming in the last few years knows that's that that's a pretty big number for for uh, for Hunter and. Uh, you know that, that's something that that this team needs. And do I think like Hunter Thompson's lack of scoring mm-hmm. and, and this shooting slump is is the reason that that Wyoming has struggled so much? Um, you know, for most of the conference season, no, I don't. Because again, I mean, that, whether he's hitting shots or not has nothing to do with what you do on the defensive end. And um, you know, for them to you know continue to give, allow teams to shoot better than fifty percent from the floor. Um, that's obviously been the most glaring issue, but last night they hold New Mexico to around 43%, which Jeff Linders has said, you know, during this season that, you know, as long if we can just get hold teams to under 50% with the way that we can score, the way we can shoot, mm-hmm. uh, we'd like our chances. And sure enough, they, they, they did that and got the, the most balanced offensive uh, performance that they've gotten all season to uh, to pull that out. But yeah, I mean, for, for them to, to show progress, I think, on the defensive end and particularly on the glass in that game, again, c- considering the matchup um, that they went, I think that's a that's a good sign for them as they, you know, try to finish uh, this regular season strong. Yeah, and, you know, with the San Jose State series coming up after that, that's, you know, two more potentially winnable games. Uh, and I know, I know we've talked before about probably the – uh, the final standings aren't necessarily the end-all, be-all um, for for this team this year. You know, if you can potentially finish out of the bottom four with a few wins down the stretch here, I think that's that's something you can live with. Um, can you can you remind me? Will the Utah State series? Is there any any chance they will reschedule that, or is that pretty much off the books at this point? Mm, that's a good question because you know they've only got assuming that they actually play the San Jose series next mm-hmm. week. They've only got one week before 
the Mountain West tournament starts or supposed to start, mm-hmm. and so they ha- and they've got two series like that, UNLV, that they have well, to make right. up. Yeah, UNLV too. So, I mean, I, at this point, I only see one of those being made up. Um, again, assuming that they play the San Jose series next week and and don't have another open week where they could do that. But you also, you know, it's not just Wyoming. You know, you've got to line up the schedule with UNLV and or Utah State. And, you know, I I, I just wonder with so many of these series being postponed, because you, you've seen it for, I mean, almost every week of the conference season, there's been a, a series postponed or canceled. Um, and the, with the fact that they have to, or, you know, they say that they're going to work to make up all of these you know, I start wondering, are, are they going to make up or just do away with this series where you have a, a, a one of the top teams or one of those NCAA tournament hopeful teams that we've talked about uh, playing a lesser, you know, a, a team in the bottom third of the standings? Are they just, you know, just going to make up the, the games where you have two good teams mm-hmm. um, playing each other rather than risk a, if you're the conference and you're looking out and trying to protect yourself and protect the teams that, you know, have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. Are they just going to, you know, do away with the, with the series with the good teams against the bad teams, so to speak? Yeah, that that'll be interesting to watch um, because I doubt the conference is ever going to come out and say that. You know, but that that could very well play into. Uh, do they want to have Utah State play two games against Wyoming as opposed to you know, okay, Wyoming, why don't you just go play those two UNLV games and not screw up one of our top three teams? Yeah, because I think Colorado State and Utah State series is one that was recently postponed. So mm-hmm. you know, th- there's just there's not enough time in the schedule where all these teams can make up multiple series. So you're gonna have to pick and choose. Right. So you know, I don't, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. But um, as far as Wyoming goes, now they'll they'll look for their the sweep. I think it would just be if they could pull it off on Friday in the rematch. I think it'd be only their second sweep of the conference season. Mm-hmm. Um, they swept Nevada. Um, so I I might be missing one. I'd have to go back and look, but I, I think it would. I think this is just a chance for you're yeah, just their second there. sweep. So something that's on the table for for the Cowboys on Friday. Um, then switching a little bit to uh, to the women's side, um, they, they could possibly go uh, an entire month without playing a game because the 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 Cowgirls just had their series against New Mexico this week postponed. And then they were originally scheduled to finish the conference slate against San Jose State next week, but San Jose State's women's team has opted out of the rest of the season. So those two games are off. Um, you know, I guess depending on maybe New Mexico's schedule next week, because I, I, I assume New Mexico has two mm-hmm. games scheduled because San Jose is the only team on the women's side that's opted out. So New Mexico's got games that it has to play next week. So. I don't know maybe if the, the series against New Mexico um, will be made up or not. But, you know, with that series for the, for the women being postponed this week, um, you know, they could possibly go a whole <laughs> nearly a whole month uh, until they play another game in the, in the Mountain West tournament, hmm. which is interesting. Yeah, that's not not ideal way to, to ramp up into your postseason. Yeah, so um, – and they, they're, they're coming off a, a sweep of Utah State. Um, mm-hmm. and that got them back to 500 in conference play. Um, I mean, they, they would have to, you know, win the conference tournament too at this point to, to get yeah. the automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. But, yeah, I mean, that's to have a whole month possibly to to wait to have to play a game, that's – I mean, that, that's got to 
I mean, you mentioned it not being ideal, but that's that's a long time, man. And especially during the the pandemic, where this this is becoming as much mental for some of these players as physical. I mean, that's that's got to take a toll, you would think, right? Yeah, and I mean, I I know, like you said, they needed those wins to get back up to five hundred. But um, you know, they're a team that just looking at their schedule, I, it doesn't seem like they have a single loss by uh, double digits in the conference slate, and you know. If you're playing that many competitive games, you'd sure like to to get out there a little bit more and and, and move up those standings. So uh, it's got to be eating at them a little bit. And you know, I, I don't even know what you do when you have yeah. that long of a, a time off. I mean, I guess you just you just practice and practice and practice. But um, you know, you, you never know with that team in the they uh, in in Vegas or in the conference tournament. You know, they they could have a run in them. Yeah. Um, did you see, by the way, where the America East Conference has uh, just changed like its whole um, conference tournament format? No, I, I had not. Yeah, so basically they're like ending their regular season um, at the end of this week, I believe, and starting their conference tournament on campus sites, which is normally what that conference does anyway, but they're basically spreading it out over three weeks instead of two weeks. Um, and hmm. you know, basically like splitting their teams up into pods. So I know we had a whole conversation on that last week, but yeah, it's just, it's going to be, it's just going to be interesting to see what these, what all these teams end up doing. And I certainly don't think that's the last conference that'll end up making, making some changes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be a little interesting to look back one day on, you know, all the sports that happened during this pandemic era and, if there are any kind of like larger trends that become apparent after the fact, as far as like, you know, did more experienced teams tend to do better? Did, uh, did fewer upsets happen or whatever? You know, I, I always thought when, you know, we were in the, the sports desert last year and nothing was happening. I was like, I bet when, when games come back, Vegas is going to be really bad at, at predicting <laughs> stuff. Um, just cause there are going to be so many weird variables. And it sounds like I actually heard that, it's almost been the opposite, um, which is which is odd that they've been uh, even better <laughs> at predicting. And you know, I like you think it, about the two football championships. You know, everything weird that's happened, it still ended up with Tom Brady and Alabama winning. Um, you know, it's kind of like the <laughs> the predictable people and teams who and programs who know how to win. You know, kind of yeah. were able to survive the all the weirdness of everything and i don't know i mean it's it in a lot in a lot of ways it feels like uh you know not uh, i know people joke that like the current seasons are fake basically <laughs> like none of this counts it's also weird there's no fans they're doing weird scheduling things but um, yeah. obviously it matters in the moment to the, the players and the coaches but it's just there's so much weirdness going on it's kind of sometimes hard to evaluate what's uh what's happening like my my hockey team just had to play seven (laughs) games in a row against the arizona coyotes and uh somehow did not win most of them despite arizona being terrible it's just a it's a weird time for sports in general and you know you certainly have sympathy for these players uh sitting sitting out for a month but i guess uh hey at least you're potentially playing another game come march yeah Wait, are they the Arizona Coyotes? They used to be the Phoenix Coyotes. Has that changed? Yeah, they they changed their name, I oh, believe, because okay. they're they're probably playing Glendale or something. But yeah, my my Blues had been like you know 
basically winning all their games, and then suddenly it's like, hey, here's seven teams, seven games in a row against a terrible team, and they forgot how to win a game. Yeah. So that's 2021 for you. Well, it also shows you how much I keep up with the NHL, so. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's going to be this team in Seattle called the Kraken. Uh, I do. Oh, I do. I do know that just because their logo and everything was really awesome when they announced that. But yeah, yeah I was gonna say uh, I don't know if Vegas has ever been mistaken as being bad at picking games. Um, yeah, like I don't. Dude, that's I still don't. I'll never really understand that. But you know, those casinos out there don't build themselves. So um, that's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's because it's all rigged. It's all it's all very fake, and um, teams you know, <laughs> throw games. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Um, all right, Brandon, we can go ahead and take a break there, and uh, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll transition to football and dive a little bit more into uh, what Wyoming's offense might look like under new offensive coordinator Tim Balasek. Yep. Now we're going to talk a little football and um, just wanted to dive a little bit deeper into um, what new offensive coordinator Tim Polisic might bring to Wyoming's offense and, and what it might look like. Cause I, and I know we, we talked about uh, some of this last week, but I mentioned I was um, still uh, going back and, and looking you know, at, at some stuff that he did when he was the offensive coordinator during his three years at North Dakota State. Um, so I, I, I've done that now and I actually, actually wrote a piece, uh, for last weekend's paper that's online to at, at trib.com and pokesauthority.com for any of you that might want to check that out. There were a couple things just going back and watching some of the, the game tape, um, from, from some of the games of, of his when he was the OC there, um, that really stuck out to me, um, mm-hmm. and, the first one really is distribution and, and formations that he ran there. And, and when I talk about distribution, um, you know, it seemed like he really got everybody involved in the offense. I mean, they, they were just as likely to throw to a to a running back and fullback uh, as they were a, a tight end or a receiver. And I know Wyoming obviously has done some of that. Um, they, they throw to their running backs a, a lot too. Xavier Valdez is actually one of their – uh, better proven pass catchers uh, at this point that's still on the roster. But um, it just seems like going back and watching some of the film that you, you just never know exactly where the ball is going to go on, on any given snap. And in terms of formations, um, you know, I, I know Wyoming also, they, they run a lot of different formations and personnel packages, uh, or, or they did uh, in Brent Vegan's offense. But 
Uh, it just seems like under Tim, at least, and we haven't been able to talk to him yet. He has not been made available to the local media uh, since he was hired as Wyoming's OC yet. So um, haven't been able to talk to him, uh, you know, and ask him questions about exactly uh, what his ideas are and and, and my, what he might add, uh, you know, since he was the play caller at NDSU, but. Um, just looks like you know they run a lot of different formations, but and, and run the same play out of that. So they don't always give you the same look. Um, so I think that might be mm-hmm. something that might be a little bit different than what Wyoming did on, under Brent Vegan. Um, but also the, the second impression that I really got or that stood out to me watching the film is just how much the quarterbacks were involved in the running game uh, with with Carson Wentz and, and Easton Stick, the quarterbacks he had there at NDSU. Um, each season that he was there, the quarterbacks were among their top three rushers uh, on the team, and they did some out of empty sets, which is something, Brandon, I don't – I don't. You might can speak to this too, having you know covered that offense when, when Josh Allen was here. But <laughs> I don't recall hardly ever seeing Wyoming in it get in an empty set, which is you know just the just the quarterback and no running backs back there with them. Um, at the least, usually they would operate out of eleven personnel, where they at least had one running back and one tight end. But they ran the ball a lot out of empty sets. But they didn't get in empty sets just to set up the run, just to spread, you know, try to spread out the defense and create run lanes for the quarterback. They also passed out of that, which is something I don't know if I've ever seen Wyoming do in in, in the, over the last two seasons and two plus seasons. So, um, you know, I, I think some some different wrinkles in that aspect and. Like I said, you you might can recall a time where they, where they went empty. I'm I'm struggling to uh, to remember a time where they actually did that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure someone will dig something up and prove me wrong, but it, <laughs> you know, it definitely doesn't seem like something that I can recall them doing much of all uh, much of it at all. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to to think back, but I mean, it's it's always definitely been a, a, a uh, an offense that <clears throat> has somebody in the backfield, and you know, they're obviously one of the uh, fewer and fewer programs that utilize a, a fullback in addition to a, a tailback. So yeah, that's uh, to me that that would be a very new look for that offense. Yeah, it's and and one thing that that I'm interested in though going forward is to see, but uh, because you obviously have the personnel still to do that uh, at Wyoming with, with Sean Chambers, who's you know uh, is probably the best running quarterback uh, in the Mountain West. But with his injury history, I do wonder mm-hmm. exactly how much they are going to implement that. Because I asked Craig Bull at the beginning of the offseason, uh, you know, are they going to use him as much and expose him as much, you know, given the fact he is yet to get through a full season healthy. And and Craig basically said that, you know, they've got to develop him as a quarterback and develop his his passing ability um, to where they don't have to be as reliant on the quarterback run to, to move the ball. Um, and and they, so they've got to improve that area so that they can, they can, you know, not be as predictable uh, and as one dimensional with the, with the quarterback running game as they've been at times, but he's too electric of a runner to just completely wipe that out of the playbook. Um, right. You know, I mean, when you've got a quarterback that can, you know, as he proved in in the Missouri game a couple of years ago. Sorry, Brandon, but like when you got a quarterback that can rip off a seventy five yard touchdown run, uh, and, and and you know it b- provide instant offense that way, you're not going to completely throw it out. I just I do wonder though, you know, going forward exactly how much 
they're going to uh, use him in the in the running game because they use Carson Wentz and Easton Stick a lot a lot in the yeah. in the running game. I, I should say Tim Polisic did when he was the OC there at NDSU. Um, I mean, those are two really athletic guys, and you know, I'm not sure people understood at at the time. You know, when when Carson Wentz was there, just how athletic he was because he was this you know big burly six foot five, six foot six, two hundred and forty five pound guy. Um, you know, that most people thought it just had the big arm, but I think a lot like, sort of like Josh Allen in the Josh Allen mold, he's a lot more athletic than, um, you know, than people sort of gave him credit for when he was coming out in the draft. But, um, so, you know, they use them a lot, use them, you know, in similar ways in, in zone reads, read options. Um, but so you wonder exactly maybe what that's going to look like at Wyoming, um, and, and how often they're, they're going to use him just from the, the, the simple point that they're trying to get him through a full season healthy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of one of those things I wonder if there is if there is a perfect answer because ultimately if uh, if you are going to use the guy's legs, you're also going to, you know, put him in a spot where it's going to take some hits. And, I mean, obviously the, the more you can balance your offense, the fewer hits in theory he takes, you know, um, when they have to respect that passing game more and more. But – uh, at the end of the day, you know it's it's a tricky balance to make make use of that skill and and not put him in a, a situation where he's gonna you know take some contact. And I know I know he's you know he expects to. He's a he's a uh, quarterback who knows how to run. I'm sure he's willing to take those hits. But I don't think it's a coincidence that he's had three season ending injuries and that he's played this kind of role in the offense so far. I mean it it is. Uh, uh, definitely some bad luck to it, but um, you know it. It when you put them in that position that many times, uh, the chances go up for for something going wrong. So I mean, I I wonder a little bit, and I don't have an answer if there's maybe types of runs you could look at that maybe you know if if you're if you're getting them on the edge a little bit more instead of running them straight up the gut, if right. that uh gives them a better opportunity to, okay, pick up six yards and get down rather than, okay, you can, so you're going to run up the A-gap and, and pretend you're a running back for this down. I mean, that works, but again, yeah, you, you need to you need to finish a season with him behind center if, if you really want to maximize what you can do in this offense. And I do want to note, Davis, just real quick, I, I, I reread the press release from when they hired Tim and um, – they spell out that it's pronounced Paul Lasek, P-A-W-L. So I, I realized that should uh, that was spelled out just for you and I, the the uh, <laughs> SEC grads. We should be able to say Paul. Paul. Tim Paul hasn't played anybody. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Tim Paul Lasek. I'll try to get that right. I think I was just winging it last week. <laughs> uh, when did yeah? When did uh? Well, I was I think I pronounced it wrong too last week. But uh, when did uh, when did this become the Paul Feinbaum show? That's that's uh, my name is actually uh, <laughs> Phyllis and uh, oh, you're, oh so wait Brandon you're just, that's just an alias Brandon Foster that's an alias yeah where's where's Phyllis from Alabama but, Alabama somewhere yeah yeah but I can't remember did she die I don't it's been a while. I have not listened to the Paul show I just remember there being some like vaguely Tom Rinaldi heartfelt feature on Phyllis a couple of years back yeah. Dude, I I mean, I originally from Alabama and grew up there in Mississippi and you know, I, I don't even I I don't even listen <laughs> to that show. I, I didn't listen to that show growing up and I and I don't I certainly don't listen to it now, but um yeah, I don't 
I don't know. Um, what were we even talking about? Yeah, I don't know. I got us very off topic. <laughs> um, football, this, I think. Offense, yeah. something like that. This is this is all your fault. Um, uh, one thing I do wonder, Davis, you know, that you mentioned in your, and I definitely recommend everyone check out the article because, you know, you've got some very helpful videos in there too and really, you know, a cool look at some of these uh, things you're talking about as far as different looks. One thing that struck me, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna, I was going to say, uh, it, technically they're gifts or gifs. Yeah, I still, gifs, yeah. I still to this day don't know how to pronounce that, but if you if you do, go uh, ahead. Every, I say gif because the dude who invented it said that it's pronounced gif, and I feel like gif, and I feel like if you invent <laughs> something, you should get to like, and everyone uses it, you should get to tell people how to say it. But every time I say gif, people yell at me, so. I, I think GIF is the way to go if you want to be like normal, but I'm. I do too because it, like, you have you have GIF peanut butter and that's spelled with a J and that's pronounced GIF. So I'm like, well, that's if, true. If the other one starts with a G. It can't be pronounced the same. I mean, I I guess those are the only two English words that are pronounced the same but spelled differently. You've sorry. You've found okay, okay. <laughs> go ahead. Um, but yeah, no, I was I, so yeah, fancy GIFs in there or GIFs depending on your. <laughs> on your preference. Um, but you know, I think one that really jumped out to me was this diamond formation in there where they had, was it three running backs back with uh, either Wentz or stick and and they ran to the short side of the field. Everybody bit on the, the running backs going to the short side. And actually I think stick just ran up the middle for a super long touchdown. Um, not, not necessarily the QB run portion of that, but I, I wonder if, uh sec will bring an element of using multiple uh running backs a little bit more in the backfield that aren't um you know just a tailback and a fullback like i i don't feel like when i was on the beat they did a whole lot of putting two ball carriers back there you know they obviously use a fullback a lot but not um they weren't handing the ball off very much to to their fullbacks. Um, yeah. So when, when you when you got two guys back there and you don't know which one's going to get the handoff, if, if either of them, plus obviously Chambers who can run it, um, that adds uh, a split second that the defense has to has to watch all three of them. I mean, kind of reminds me of, of some of what like New Mexico and those more option-based teams have done over the years. But, um, you know, when, when you've got, like we've talked about, so many running backs and, and so much depth there, I wonder if they'll do a little bit more of, you know, Let's just uh, get crazy and, and throw Valaday Smith and uh, um, why am I forgetting all the running backs' names? But uh, you know, throw three tailbacks back there as well as Chambers, and then just you know uh, do a little play action. And I don't know. I, I feel like you, you could get creative, or I, I would be interested to see that. At least I'm I'm certainly not an offensive coordinator, but that was that was a play that stuck out to me. No, yeah, and that, that's sort of what I'm talking about in terms of, of formations too, where you know, you have two or even three backs in the backfield. So there's so many things you can do off of that, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you mentioned, uh, through it included the the GIF or Jeff, however you pronounce it, of um, you know obviously Easton Stick uh, keeping on a on a on a on a read play basically and running up the gut for. Uh, yeah, really long touchdown after the entire defense basically went with the with the run action to the short side of the field. But then you can you know you can uh, you can play action off of that. You can use you know the, the wheel back the the wheel route to the to the running back out of the backfield is an undefeated play in football. So um, 
And, and speaking of that, I don't I don't want to give away too much of that article and what's in it because obviously I want people like people to to go check it out and read it. But there's also I did include a play in there too of a a play where they were closer to the to the goal line against Iowa and their upset win over Iowa back in 2016 where they had a split back formation uh, faked to the running back and hit another running back on the wheel route out of the backfield wide open for for a touchdown and late mm-hmm. in that game. So yeah, that, there's a lot of different things that that you can use with that, and, and that's not to say that Wyoming didn't do that um, under Brent Vegan because they were. I, I specifically remember one time where they used the diamond formation or, or three backs in the backfield and and ran play action and actually had a really long pass play to, to uh, Xavier Valade out of the backfield against Nevada in 2019. I think if if I'm not mistaken on, on which game that was, but um, I know they've done some of that in the past. I, I think you're going to see a, a little bit more variation um, in terms of, of how, how many different things that they do out of their formations and, and, and how many different things they can do. And and I think you might – I was mentioning that, that touchdown play that, that NDSU had against uh, Iowa. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you might – that was something else I think that sort of st- uh, stuck out too was how, how you know different some of their play calling and, and how willing – um, you know, Palisic was to mix it up closer to the goal line because Wyoming, you know, in, in the past, you know, usually when they, once they get inside the red zone, I mean, they're trying to pound that thing in there, you know. Um, I mean, they had one passing touchdown all of last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, I mean, once they get close to the goal line, usually they've they've been very, very predictable in some, in some of the plays that they've called. I think you might see a little bit more variation um, in the red zone um, under Palisic, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to talk to him just to just to see uh, you know if he plans to stick with some of the same things or what maybe different wrinkles or different ideas that um, he he's thinking about in terms of of the offense that that he wants to bring to Wyoming or the different variations of of, of maybe what he's run in the past. But going back to Sean Chambers and the point you were sort of making, we were talking about in terms of how often he might run the ball. But I also think that's that's a reason why the, the passing game under him needs to develop. Because if you can, right. if you can, you know, make defenses respect the pass, and you don't have, you know, nine, ten defenders constantly crowding the line of scrimmage, that can open up so so much more in running lanes, and you're. And, and make you more uh, unpredictable in terms of w- w- when you might want to dial up a a quarterback draw at, out of an empty set. You know, if you're able to, you know, complete passes down the field after, out of the empty set, well, obviously it, teams can't sit there and say, well, they're going empty set. That means they're just going to run the ball because, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, can't, they can't complete passes out of it. Then your offense just becomes – uh, that much more multi-dimensional in what you can do. Yeah, and I, I want to go back briefly to what one thing you mentioned earlier too is is getting everybody involved in the offense, including tight ends. And I mean, I don't, I'm not sure that there's ever been a offensive coordinator who hasn't said that they want to get the tight ends involved more in the in the offense. I mean, it feels like the equivalent of a new defensive coordinator telling you at the press conference they're going to play aggressive. You know, it's like, okay, cool, congrats. Uh, right. But like. <laughs> I would be intrigued to see that with this offense because, you know, over the last four years or so, they've they've recruited these just absolutely giant dudes at tight end. And, um, you know, while they were recruiting yeah. them, it was kind of like, 
man, these, I mean, these guys are all like six, seven, um, you know, what, what's the end game here? You know, is, is this a, are they just stacking up on like red zone threats where they're going to have three guys out there that you just can't cover? Um, and, and now, you know, my, my, my guess the way the next few years went is they basically just wanted to like add more offensive linemen is how it's turned out. You know, like here's some two more giant dudes who can block even more because we're going to run the ball down your throat all game. But you know, if they are, if they, you know, now that those, those tight ends do have a few years under their belt, you know, and have more times with the jug jug machine or whatever, you know, if they are able to find ways to throw some jump balls up to, you know, those six foot eight tight ends, that feels like an unexplored possibility in in this uh in this offense i mean there just aren't that many tall human beings uh in the mountain west who can who can go up and and get that so i i'd be uh you know really interested to see if if they can maybe take a a little bit more advantage of that size um that they have at that position yeah that's something craig bowles talked about this offseason too was because the 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 tight end production in terms of cap pass catching of course it's it's relative because everybody's Mm -hmm. catches have been down just simply because they haven't thrown the ball as often you know over the last two or three years but um yeah i mean that that production's tailed off at that position since tyree mayfield and austin fort left after the 2018 season um and and you're right i mean when you have guys like nate wyman jackson marcotte and even uh you know trayton welsh is more of that hybrid and and he was technically Mm -hmm. i guess you know he was on the depth chart, he was listed as a starter, but you know, as we all know, Wyoming—that's—I mean—that's sort of a relative term because Wyoming usually has multiple tight ends on the field at, at the same time. Right. So, um, but you, but you, but he's that hybrid guy that's probably more of a of a downfield threat. Um, you know, he was he was a receiver in high school. Um, so, you, yeah, you've got a lot of diversity at that position, and, and I even mentioned the. Uh, Colin O'Brien, the, the the kid that they recruited out of junior college last season, who goes about six foot six, and yep. I mean redshirted last year because I think it, it took him a little longer to sort of get caught up in, with the offense. Um, but yeah, they I mean they have all sorts of different options at that position um, and, and and different ways that they can sort of utilize guys. I mean you can. You can use them as true tight ends. You can use them as H-back. You can, as I mentioned, with, with Trayton Welch and maybe even uh, Parker Christensen, you know, you, those are guys that mm-hmm. you can even, you know, split out in the slot, uh, let them operate more as a receiver. So, yeah, I, I would expect some of that in, in politics offense because uh, I mean, even Craig Bull said that, you know, that's a position that they need to get more involved in the passing game and, and they have sort of the versatility where they can use – different guys in different ways. So, um, yeah, that, that it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they ultimately, um, end up using everybody and, and, and how much they end up using the passing game in general after what we've mm-hmm. seen the last few years. Yeah. It'd be, uh, I mean, I don't know if I were playing Madden, I would just throw it up to those guys all the time, <laughs> but, um, that's why I'm not an offensive coordinator. Um, uh, yeah, I guess what, one more thing I wonder too, is like from, I don't know that I necessarily saw a lot of it in the um, the moving image files you embedded in your story, but um, there you go. Like, I think one thing they're going to have to have to do on offense is find a way to kind of get some simplified, quick passes into the game that can build quarterback confidence. I mean, you're trying to develop these quarterbacks into more passers, and I think you know you're going to have to find a way to get simplified 
you know, plays that, that can translate to easy completions and and not maybe rely on quite as much. Uh, I mean, I, I know Sean's been in the offense for years now, so there's there's some familiarity there. But, I mean, it just feels like you're, if you if you want to complete more passes, you need to throw some more simple uh, plays out there. I mean, is that something that you expect uh, that, that Polisek will bring or, or has – uh, or I guess it has Bull talked much about, you know, how, how do you go about building up a quarterback's confidence as a passer? Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, Craig hasn't talked about that specifically um, this offseason, but, I mean, you can see just from politics time at NDSU, I mean, there's a lot of those, um, you know, time where they're in 12 personnel or even just 11 personnel where, you know, you're booting to a tight end uh, where you mm-hmm. know, he's coming off the end. Or if you have two tight ends where the backside tight end is dragging all the way across the field. But so, uh, yeah, I would expect a lot of that. Um, partic- again, particularly when you run the ball as well as they do and you have defenses flowing with the running back as, as much and as hard as they do, you know, th- those bootlegs, those waggles, those those ought to be wide open. Yeah. And those, those are easy passes that, that policy implemented in that offense at NDSU, and I would fully expect them to to continue doing it Wyoming. Cool. Yeah, it, uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they what they look like on offense against uh, a, a Brent Vegan defense. Never been able to say that before. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I, I don't know. I'm more intrigued with the uh, – with the Brent Vegan offense against Wyoming's defense. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so uh, hopefully soon uh, the media will be able to talk to Tim, um, yeah, since now that he's been hired at Wyoming and is here in an official capacity. Uh, I don't know when that might be, but, um, you know, we've, we've inquired about it, so hopefully it'll be soon. But, um, yeah, be interesting to see what – what it, what it all looks like once they uh, start spring ball. Again, that is tentatively scheduled to start at the, the beginning or mid-April, sometime around there with their spring game. Tentatively scheduled for May 8th. So, um, yeah, be, I guess we'll we'll start finding out, getting some answers uh, this spring, assuming that, you know, of course, all this spring football actually happens, which, by the way, you know, FCS football is about to start. That's true. So. <laughs> how, yeah, how does that uh, is vegan gonna wait? What? How does that even work? I have not paid it close enough attention. Yeah, are, are half the FCS teams playing in the yeah, spring? Yeah, I think. Fall? Yeah, I think not. Not all FCS conferences are playing uh, in the spring, okay. but some of them are. So that's gonna be that's gonna be weird to tur- turn on your TV on a random Saturday in in March <laughs> or April and see a college football game being played. Right. Yeah, man. I mean. Without the XFL, we need it, right? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm ready for the XFL to come back, man. It's got to make another comeback. Oh yeah, it's it's the it's the league that that dies but never actually dies. <laughs> so it was the Rock bought it out, right? Is that right? <laughs> I have no idea. I haven't kept up with. I that think close. he did. Bring back the Battlehawks, Kaka. <laughs> That's my team. Uh, all right, Brandon. I think we can go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, as always, uh, tune into uh, Trib.com, PostAuthority.com. For all of our coverage, uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Pokes Authority. You can follow me on Twitter at Davis B. Potter. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at BFoster91. This podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Omni. So 
Be sure to uh, subscribe, download it, and give us that five-star rating. Uh, Brandon, appreciate you joining me as always. Thank all of you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Cool, cool. We'll see you then. Thanks.